This is Gray Matter, where we process the gray areas of culture. I'm Caitlin Puccio, and this is the second of two episodes on transitioning minors. Last week, I talked about decision-making capacity under age 18, and today I will be talking about gender dysphoria zeitgeist. So there's debate about whether certain psychological disorders emerge and disappear in society in waves, uh, meaning a certain disorder will suddenly appear in large numbers in a population and then fade away, uh, similar to the way in which fad diets function, but different in that the disorder in some ways actually manifests to a degree in individuals from excessive exposure in the public consciousness. If this is true, this can be harmful to those who actually suffer uh, from the psychological disorder outside of the zeitgeist. One argument that supports the idea of psychological disorders becoming part of the zeitgeist is that currently our society has numerous cultural issues that we didn't have in the past. For example, there's a running joke on social media to the effect that no one in a Gen X high school was gluten-free or transgender, and now suddenly these issues are rampant. The obvious response is that these issues are more widely known and recognized now, and if we solely point to the fact that no one was gluten-free in high school in the 80s, the argument could easily be defeated as simply having been ignorant of the issue. This is presumably where the term woke originated, as in we've been awakened with regard to recognizing the issue. The counter-argument is that something changed in society, leading to the issue becoming ubiquitous. For celiacs, uh, who need to avoid gluten, one unconfirmed suspicion is that the something that changed is wheat itself, which may be different from the wheat of years past, and is thus more difficult to digest. There's no evidence of this yet, and it doesn't explain celiac's need to avoid rye or barley, but it is one possibility that has been raised. For the transgender issue, the change might be zeitgeist. While some awareness is beneficial, too much emphasis on an issue may become harmful. For example, with celiac disease, celiacs need to eat gluten-free food to avoid damaging the lining of their small intestine, which would leave the body unable to properly absorb nutrients. It's a serious disease for a relatively small percentage of the population. With an increased awareness uh, and understanding of celiac disease came the gluten-free fad. And this was initially good for celiacs in that, for example, restaurants uh, started serving gluten-free food and doctors knew better how to treat symptoms. But there came a point at which too much mainstream fad-driven discussion of the gluten-free diet made it difficult to be taken seriously as a celiac. Celiacs started to get eye rolls in restaurants when ordering gluten-free uh, because so many people without uh, celiac disease or non-celiac gluten sensitivity or the more rare wheat allergy were claiming to be gluten-free and ordering uh, gluten-free avocado toast to accompany their gluten-laden beer. The same tipping point applies to the transgender issue. For some individuals, it really is an issue. But how many of the loudest voices we hear are really dealing with the issue, and how many are solely moving with the tide? 
the latter may be making it more difficult for those suffering from gender dysphoria to be taken seriously and get the treatment they need, which may include medical intervention. Uh, in particular, individuals with no background in child psychology encouraging minors to explore being transgender uh, is, at the very least, unhelpful to the cause. Let's assume uh, that the goal is to find a solution that results in the least harm for the greatest number of individuals. So if the status quo is that only those who have reached the age of legal majority can make decisions um, necessary to facilitate uh, gender transitioning uh, for reasons that would need to be delineated, such as brain development with regard to decision-making capacity and the percentage of the minor population actually affected by gender dysphoria, then the correct immediate step to take in finding the solution uh, that will result in the least harm for the greatest number of individuals may not be re-evaluating what laws should exist about preventing or permitting transgender uh, treatments for minors, uh, whether that's gender reassignment surgery or otherwise, but what exceptions should be available to minors. Maybe those under the age of 18 and the youngest age to which this uh, could apply would need to be discussed, uh, who actually suffer from gender dysphoria would be able to transition sooner, assuming that transitioning is the recommended clinical treatment for such a psychological disorder, uh, and gender dysphoria is in the DSM, they would be able to transition sooner if the laws allowed for exceptions in particular cases. Exceptions would be granted, for example, based on the recommendation of trusted psychologists after evaluating the minor. Um, now, who can be trusted and what literature can be relied upon is another open question. And based on the recommendation also of doctors after evaluating the child's medical fitness for a particular course of treatment. Questions about whether uh, exceptions should be granted for the minor without the consent of the parents would need to be answered also. The parents' involvement would need to be a part of the psychological evaluation of the minor. Are the parents unreasonably unsupportive? Are they supportive but hesitant? Um, irrational? How does their behavior affect the child's self-image and pers uh, perspective on the issue? There would also need to be an evaluation of the long-term effects of transitioning. Aside from long-term physical effects, would the child be mentally capable of thriving in society as a transgender individual? So do the risks outweigh the benefits in this particular case? Creating blanket laws permitting youth transitioning that do not necessarily apply to the greater population, and that may in fact be promoting gender dysphoria in impressionable and previously unconfused minors gives rise to opposing laws meant to prevent gender transitioning for all minors, including the small percentage that might actually benefit from such an early transition as determined by medical professionals. 
This is because lawmakers uh, of the latter persuasion see the harm that is potentially done by large-scale encouragement of youth transitioning where no gender dysphoria exists on a large scale. This blocks the line of vision of these lawmakers with respect to the few for whom gender dysphoria is a real issue. Now, with issues like this, there can be no indefinite moral abstractions. There needs to be a practical, applicable solution. And the solution shouldn't be imposed from the perspective of one side or the other, depending on the state or the school uh, or a teacher or anyone with a political agenda and too few facts. And it shouldn't be imposed without hearing from trustworthy and unbiased psychologists uh, who are unconcerned with virtue signaling about the actual prevalence of the issue and the repercussions of both preventing and encouraging transitioning in minors and hearing from those who were actually affected by gender dysphoria in their youth. There will be cases supporting both sides uh, that will be pointed out during discussions of possible solutions. Someone who transitioned young and regrets it, someone who transitioned young and doesn't regret it, someone who wishes he'd been able to do so and wasn't, uh, someone who is glad that she didn't transition during her tomboy phase. All these perspectives are important, but none should be the ultimate dictator. And personal perspectives without more cannot be a final conclusion of an argument. Before an attempt is made to come to a solution about what path allows for the least harm for the greatest number of individuals, if that is the agreed-upon goal, we need to understand the underlying facts about child psychology, uh, the prevalence of gender dysphoria in minors, and the long-term risks and benefits of transitioning at an early age. And how early is too early from a developmental rather than a legal perspective is a key question. <laughs>